It's great to see you this morning. It's a great weekend to be together. And as many of us celebrate Memorial Day, we have an opportunity this morning to examine God's Word. A few years ago, okay, many years ago, years go by fast, don't they? Many years ago, I saw a movie that changed me. Not only was it action-oriented, but it was awesome. It was a story based on a book that was written by Robert Ludlum, and I had never heard of him, though I really enjoy this genre. I love the spy thriller stuff. I love the action. I love a story with characters and how they develop. And years ago, I saw this, and then when I heard there was a book, well, I just had to read it. And so I've read the whole trilogy three times because it's that good. But this story is about a man, if you haven't seen it or haven't read the book, it's about a man who is found floating in the Mediterranean with three bullets in his back, and they pull him out of the water, and he has no memory of how he got there, no memory of why he was shot, no memory of anything before he was found and dragged onto that boat. And this story is a brilliant story about a man finding his identity, finding out who he is, and discovering things that he had forgotten because he could not remember them. And it's much more than just a story about a guy and stuff blowing up. It is a story that serves as a backdrop for an important question about identity and how we become who we are. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. What if you had no memories, what if you woke up tomorrow morning and you could not remember anything about your life? You woke up and everything was strange to you. How would you be different? What would you go and do? You see, our memories are important to us because they help form and shape us. They, they help us become who we are. That's how vital they are to our lives. And this morning, I just very quickly want to give you four common factors that help memories stick because without memories, we would not be who we are. So the first is this. It's when something extraordinary happens. Let me ask you, how many of you remember what happened in your life on May 1st this year, just a few weeks ago? Do you remember what you were doing May 1st? In fact, do you remember what day of the week May 1st was? I didn't. And in preparing this, I had to look at my calendar to remember that May 1st was a Monday. And then I had no appointments on my calendar. And so I, honestly, I have no idea what I did on May 1st, other than staff meeting, because we do that every Monday. When days are normal, they tend to just blend together unless something extraordinary happens. So maybe you don't remember May 1st, but if you're old enough to remember where you were, when you heard about the September 11th attacks, many of you could probably say where you were, what you were doing, maybe you were drinking coffee, maybe you were in the office and everything stopped. You see, that was an extraordinary event in the life of our country and in our lives individually, and we tend to remember those things. Gary Larson memorialized this idea in a comic years ago, and if you're not a fan of the far side, you should be. Um, this, <laughs> this is great. 
more facts of nature, all forest animals to this very day remember exactly where they were and what they were doing when they heard that Bambi's mother had been shot. <laughs> and the moose right there is telling, I was down by the edge of the lake at the time, and the bunny, rabbit, hare, the things that we run over here, I was in the glen just finishing a new burrow when I got the news. And they're all sharing where they were when they heard that Bambi's mother had been shot. You see, when something extraordinary happens, we tend to remember the, the events and the surrounding circumstances of that better. Some of you may even remember the things you were wearing when you got important news in your life. A second factor is when we share the experience with others. When we tell these stories, we often play back the event in our minds and in our lives, and we remember it more. And sometimes you'll remember details that are different than others, or somebody else may remember something else and remind you of something that happened. So when we share the story, we tend to remember it better. Third, when we see images, these really help us. A picture is worth what? It's worth a thousand words, right? This is why we look at pictures, which all of us can take at any time, and we have way too many pictures. We all know this, but when we look at pictures, we remember the things that we have done, like a wedding photo album. Or recently, my wife and I took the boys and we did a 15th anniversary trip to Greece and Rome, and we spent some time in Prague. It was awesome. <laughs> And we saw all kinds of things, from the Parthenon to the Pantheon and the Trevi Fountain and all these different things. We took pictures everywhere we went. And when we got home, we made a photo book that we keep on the coffee table. And even now, just a few months after we went, we still flip through that and look at pictures of places that we went and things we saw, people we talked to, things that we learned. It was an important trip in our lives. I checked something off of my bucket list and I went to a catacomb because I wanted so desperately to see a catacomb. We have pictures of that. They help us remember what we did and what we have learned. A fourth factor is when we're given specific instructions to remember. Now, this doesn't always work, as you well know. And especially students, how many of you have received something from your teacher at the beginning of the school year only to find that piece of paper shoved in the bottom of your backpack at Christmas time when you finally cleaned it out? Right? And parents, even when we're instructed, we don't always remember, but there are some times that it sticks. In fact, my middle school sixth grade science teacher, Mr. Johnson, would be incredibly impressed to know that I remember exactly one thing from his class. I remember about the myelin sheath. Anybody else know what the myelin sheath is? All right, we have some medical people, excellent. I have never forgotten this, and I've never forgotten that it's important, even though I don't know exactly why. <laughs> All I know about the myelin sheath is that it helps increase the speed of electrical communication between neurons in your brain, and I'm pretty sure that that's a good thing. <laughs> I have used this random fact in many situations. I was instructed to remember it, and that is literally the only reason that I remember. Now, we have those four factors, and they don't guarantee, but they do help us to remember events in our lives, and they make it more likely. And because our memories are imperfect, 
We often forget details. We need reminders, which is one reason I believe God gave me a wife. Any other guys agree with me? Can I get an amen? All right. Look, God knows that we need help. He knows that we can't always remember, and so throughout Scripture, he's given us a number of methods to help us remember what he has done so that we can share and see what he is doing. And God sets the example for us because he also remembers. And so we're going to look through Scripture. There's a lot of Scriptures this morning in both the Old and the New Testament. You can follow along on the screen or feel free to turn to them in your Bible. Uh, and I want to ask you to do something for me too, so you're going to need a free hand. When I say a word that starts with e, re, either remember or reminder, anything that starts with re, I'm asking you to do something with me. Just take your finger and make a circle to help you remember. That will also help you recognize certain things and not fall asleep. God sets this example for us. In the Old Testament, God uses this specific word for concepts related to memory. He uses the word zakar. And zakar, it refers both to the recall of information or an event and taking action with this knowledge in mind. So look at this with me. In Genesis 9:15, God tells Noah, I will zahar my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. You see, God isn't just remembering Noah. It also comes with an action. And just as God remembers his people and his promises, he also gives us these methods to remember what he has done in our lives so that we can see what he is doing and share it with others. So we're going to look just briefly at three methods that God gives us in the Old Testament that he specifically gave to Israel. First, God prescribed certain meals, which is genius because we remember food. We like food. Food helps us. And so God gave his people a meal, and he gave them a specific way that he wanted them to observe this meal so that they could pass it on to their children. This is something they did once a year. And the most notable meal that he gave to his people is called Passover. It's delicious. And he wanted his people to observe it every single year in the same way so that it would become tradition for his people and that they would remember what he had done for them in setting them free from Egypt. Look at Exodus 12, 11. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now, I want you for a second to imagine eating Thanksgiving dinner with your belt on tight, with your jacket by the door, with your shoes on instead of off by the door. I want you to imagine eating Thanksgiving dinner as fast as you possibly can. Would that change Thanksgiving for us? Absolutely. We like to sit, and instead of tightening our belt, we like to loosen it after about 20 minutes. This would change everything. And 
it would be the only meal each year that they would eat in this way, in this manner. And so the children would wonder, why are we eating it like this? Why is this so different? And if you were a child growing up in a household where you ate this the same way every year, you would begin to wonder, and, and then your parents would then share with you. And remember the four things that help us to remember? What were they? An extraordinary circumstance when we share the experience, when we see images, and when we're given instruction to remember it. God has given his people specific instruction because of an extraordinary circumstance and given them a meal to eat full of imagery and they share it with their family. Do you think this is important to God? Absolutely. And it would become important to his people as well. So if you were a child growing up in a household where you did this every year, you would grow to cherish this meal. It would be more than just a meal for you. It would be tradition, like so many of us have traditions in our family. But Passover is unique for another reason as well. It's not just the meal, but it also takes place on a very specific day. And the second method that God gave his people was certain specific memorial days. Look with me at Exodus 23.5. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight is the Lord's Passover. They couldn't just do this any time. This wasn't a meal that they just ate whenever they wanted to or every once in a while. It was eaten one time a year at a, on a specific day, even at a specific time as the sun is going down. It was burned into their memory. God is very specific about when his people are to remember this meal and celebrate it. It's a memorial day for them to look forward to each year. It helps them to remember God's faithfulness to them and what he has done. In fact, look closely at the phrase that God chose in describing what kind of day this is to his people. This day shall be for you a memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. God commands his people to set aside a specific day and remember what he has done for them when he set them free from Egypt. The word for memorial here is zikaron, which is very close to zikar. It has the same root. It carries this connotation of both remembrance and protocol. And so we remember by doing things the same way sometimes. It gets burned into our memories. And as a nation, we reflect this. Tomorrow, most of us, many of us, maybe all of us will celebrate Memorial Day. Most of us will not have to go into work tomorrow. You have the day off to remember those who have gone before you, to honor their memory, to spend time together. And some of you will gather for meals together. Some of us will go to a cemetery to honor a family member. Others may go to a, a memorial service or something where we are specifically remembering on that day the soldiers who had paid for our freedom with their lives. And very similarly to the Hebrews, we will combine a memorial day with a feast because we want to remember those who have gone before us.
But God also knows that we need more than just a few days here and there. And so he's also given us one day each and every single week to help us remember what he has done. How awesome is that? We get a day every week, and it's called the Sabbath. The Sabbath literally means to cease or desist. And the Hebrews, they would stop all of their regular work on Friday at sundown, and they wouldn't do any work until Saturday night. They took a 24-hour period, and Sabbath to talk about Sabbath would take far too long this morning to cover the breadth of it, but there's just two things that I want to mention, two things that God specifically had a purpose for in Sabbath to remind his people of, and those are creation and redemption. And so we read in Genesis 2, 2 and 3, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. It's pretty clear that God has done all the work. And he took the seventh day off, and he sets an example for us in that. But he wasn't just setting the example. He also commanded his people to follow his example. And after he delivered them from Egypt, he gave them this command. Remember the Sabbath, Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work just like he did. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy." So he gives his people a command. God takes this very, very seriously. We are not allowed, they were not allowed to go and work and work and work and then take the day off but command others to continue to do their work. Even those who were visiting their land and just finding rest and peace with God's people were commanded to take that seventh day off. God takes this really seriously and just like at Chick-fil-A, everybody gets the day off. Everybody. Have you ever pulled into Chick-fil-A on a Sunday and been incredibly disappointed? Yeah. You have to go to Subway. Man. <laughs> Terrible. Subway's okay in a pinch. I'm not. <laughs> you can like it. That's fine. Look, when we observe the Sabbath, we demonstrate to God that we trust Him to provide. We find our rest in Him. We find ourselves refreshed in His presence and trust Him to provide what we need to continue on. Look at Exodus 31, 17. It's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So Sabbath is also a reminder for us to be refreshed by God and taking time to be with him. He gave it to his people so that they would remember that they had been slaves in Egypt, but they find their peace in God and God alone and he commanded them 
you shall remember, and the word there again is Zakar, that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And as you read through the Old Testament, you will see many, many commands about the Sabbath specifically. And I think that the Hebrews really, really needed a reminder of what God had done. They needed it regularly. And so do we. And just as they needed a regular reminder that they were free from slavery, we also need that reminder that we are free from slavery to sin. In Romans 6, the Apostle Paul clearly talks about the fact that we were once slaves to sin. And just as they needed constant reminders of their freedom, so do we. God wants to help us remember what he has done so that we can see what he's doing and share it with others. A third method that God gives to his people in the Old Testament are markers. And just like photographs today, these things bring back memories, they spark curiosity in those who weren't there for the event that they commemorate. We have these all over our country. As you travel the country, sometimes you go to places just simply to see these memorials. A few years ago, my, um, my family went to a memorial. There's a memorial in Fruta, Colorado for the Vietnam War. It has a helicopter that's mounted there and a plaque with the names of a number of men from Colorado who died in Vietnam, including the name of my father-in-law. And we took our boys because they had never met their grandfather. We took them to that memorial. We hunted all around until we found his name on there. And we took a picture with them pointing at their grandfather's name. And we told them stories about their grandfather. I never met him either. But I have heard many stories about the great man that he was. And that marker helped our kids understand who their grandfather was. In our country, we have these just everywhere. God also commanded his people to erect a marker immediately after wandering in the desert for 40 years. So a little bit of backstory: Joshua, they were wandering. Moses has handed over leadership to Joshua, and Joshua has led the people, and they're about to go across the Jordan into the promised land. And as the priests go in with the Ark of the Covenant, God stops the water so that they can cross on dry land. And to commemorate this event, to build a memorial, to help his people remember what he's done, God tells Joshua this, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe, and they picked up rocks and carried them out of the riverbed and over to the shore and to where they spent the night. And I have to imagine, I just have to believe that the first guy Joshua picked went down into the riverbed and he saw a big rock and he thought, man, this is awesome. And he picked it up, put it on his shoulder, carried it out and put it down where they were lodging for the night. And the second guy saw him pick up that rock and thought to himself, I can get a bigger one. 
And so he goes, and he goes and picks up an even bigger rock and maybe has to wiggle it out of the dirt and the mud, and he rolls it over, and he uses all his strength, all his might. He picks it up on his shoulder, and he carries it over and sets it down, and the third guy sees that one and goes, that was big. I can get one bigger because we are guys, <laughs> and this is what we do. If you've spent any time at a lake or on a shore or by a river and you're throwing rocks, you start with the small skippers and you skip a few. And then somebody inevitably goes, oh, that one's bigger. And they go and get it and they throw to make a big splash. And then somebody goes, I can make a splash bigger than that. And they, it just builds and builds. And I, I have to imagine that this memorial was built with bigger and bigger rocks as it went on. And this memorial made a point these 12 men brought stones out because they were commanded to by Joshua, and there's a very important reason. Look at this. Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. Take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the numbers of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. These weren't little stones that could get moved easily. They wanted to make something that would last for generations so that they would be able to tell their children the story of God's great faithfulness to them. And this is important because God doesn't always do the same thing in everyone's life. And sometimes what we have to go on to hold our faith and to strengthen our faith are the stories of what God has done in someone else's life. And as believers, we pass on what God has done for us to our children, telling them the great things that God has done for us. After they built this memorial, the Israelites spent a week in that area dedicated to religious services. And at the very end of that week, they celebrated Passover together for the first time in 40 years because they were remembering what God had done for them. Well, in the New Testament, Jesus also gives us two other methods to remember and commemorate what he has done. The first is something that we as a church do together every single month. And this morning we will do this as well. It's called communion. As Jesus celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples in the upper room, he instituted communion and gave them specific instructions about how and why to observe it. Look with me at Luke 22. Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus, during the Passover meal, which served to remind them of God's great faithfulness, also, he changed it slightly for his followers to remind them of what he was about to do for them, and it's something that we observe together. 
The Apostle Paul also received very specific instructions and gave them to the Corinthian church. He told them this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Communion is a regular reminder. And Jesus was using two elements of a meal that were always before his disciples to remember what he was doing for them. This morning, we're going to participate in this reminder together. So if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you are absolutely welcome to receive this with us. And right now, we're going to come and just collect the two elements of communion. So I would ask that you would, in just a minute, rise and go to the aisle that's on your right and then just come and circle through, collect the elements and take them back to the seat through the aisle on the left-hand side of where you're sitting and just go back and we will receive them together. Come and receive the elements of communion.
the body of Christ broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The blood of Christ shed for your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. You may be seated. There's one other method that Jesus gave to help us remember what he had done, but also to show others that we follow him, and that is baptism. Jesus commanded his disciples to go and make disciples, not to just have a holy huddle, but to go and tell people about him. And he commanded them to go and to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we see in Matthew 28, 19, this is a very, very specific command, very direct, to go and make disciples, to spread this message, to take what Jesus has done for us, to always remember what he has done, and to share it with others. Paul tells us in Romans 6 that baptism is a way of identifying with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. And it's a public demonstration that we have repented of our sins, placed our faith in Jesus alone, and been forgiven. So I have a question for you this morning. Have you been baptized? If not... If you follow Jesus and have not been baptized, we have a fantastic opportunity for you next month because at the beach party on June 25th, we baptize people and we love to do it. It's a celebration and it's also a way of publicly demonstrating that you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus. And so if you have not yet been baptized, I would encourage you, go to the website and register so that we know that you would like to be baptized at the beach party, and we will be happy to do that with you there. Don't put it off any longer. Be baptized next month if you haven't been yet and you've already placed your faith in Jesus. Okay, this is important because we all have a tendency to drift. Like I said at the beginning, with May 1st, as the days just kind of go, and normal days, they tend to blend together, and sometimes we need a very specific and very direct reminder of what God has done in our lives so that we can recognize it and then also share it with others. And this morning, the bulletin is also a little bit different for you. I've, I've put a few questions in there, and I really want to encourage you to take those questions with you, and whether it's in the car or around the dinner table or go out to coffee with somebody or whatever, look through those questions and specifically take time to remember the things that God has done for you so that you can share them, because when we recognize what God is doing and has done, it's easier for us to see what he is actually doing right now. And in sharing that, it brings new life and excitement for what he is up to. Look, God is at work in our lives, so let's remember what he's done and share what he's doing. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us so many ways 
to remember what you've done in our lives. And God, I pray right now that you would begin speaking and continue speaking. Help us to recognize what it is that you've done. And maybe it's something that, that you did a long time ago and we've just forgotten and we need to be reminded. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would remind us of what you've done in our lives. And for those of us who, who may not have an active relationship with you right now, God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open our heart and our mind, that we would see the truth of what you've done for us, that we would place our faith and trust in you, and that we would begin a relationship with you, even today, even right now, that we would trust you to forgive us of our sins. And maybe as I've been speaking, maybe that's you. Maybe God's been calling to your heart and you haven't responded to him quite yet. But maybe he's calling you this morning and saying that he wants to save you and all you have to do is put your trust in him. If that's you this morning, this is making sense, would you please just put your hand in the air? Just with every head down, eye closed, just put your hand in the air. We want to celebrate with you. We want you to know Jesus and have the gift of eternal life. Okay. Father, as we also now give back a portion of what you've entrusted us to steward, Lord, we pray that you bless it that you would use it for your kingdom and your glory, and that we would be known as a people who follow you and do what you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen.